Just as a disclaimer, we want you to know that some of the movies that we will be reviewing were shot in a different time and era where people of race and sex were not treated equally. We understand this and hope you do too. The movies or anything that happened on the sets are not the views of this podcast or what this show is intended to be all about. Exactly. And we want to give due diligence in presenting the movie and not the views of the cast or directors or anyone involved. But we also feel it's necessary to let the audience know some of the background information to get a feel for what was happening at the time of shooting the film. Again, we hope you understand that we do not agree with everything that went on and we just want to give out the information. And with that being said, hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Universal Monster series for episode number six. We'll be talking about 1933's The Invisible Man. Um, so, Terrence, let's just go ahead and jump right into it. All right. Invisible Man release date, November 13th, 1933. 
1933. Worldwide gross, that's 26744 uh, I did not look up the inflation for this one. Uh, director, James Whale. Writing credits, H.G. Wells, also known for writing War of the Worlds. The Invisible Man, which so this is based off a book, and The Island of Dr. Moreau, which is also another Universal Monsters movie. Uh, screenplay was written by R.C. Sheriff. Uh, Preston Sturgis was a contributing writer that was uncredited, and so was Philip Weil. Uh, we have the technical specs, which is run time of an hour and 11 minutes, so one of the shorter ones. Uh, super quick to get through. Uh, sound mix, mono, western electric, noiseless recording sound system. Color, black and white. Aspect ratio, 1.37 by 1. Lavatory, Universal Studios Lavatory, USA. Surprise, surprise. Film length, 8 reels. Uh, that's 1,979.35 meters. Uh, negative format, 35 millimeters. And cinemagraphic process, spherical, printed film format, 35 millimeters. Now, off to the awards. Once again, shocking, shocking, Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films, USA 2015, nominated Best Blu-ray DVD Collection. Uh, that's the same thing for 2013, uh, but they won in 2013. And then they also won in 2008 for National Film Preservation Board USA for which, uh, the National Film Registry. Which I think, is that the first one of the Universal Monsters that we've seen go to the film No, registry? it's actually the second. second. Uh, I believe... I think it's Frankenstein. Frankenstein or Dracula went to the, the National Film Registry. Um, then we have... Uh, Venice Film Festival, which is 1934, winner for Special Recommendation, James Whale, and then nominee, uh, the Mussolini Cup, Best Foreign Film, James Whale. That's an interesting uh, award. award. Right. The Mussolini, Mussolini Cup. Especially okay. after World War, I know, World right? War II. <laughs> um, so Kyle is with us once again. Kyle, you want to go ahead and give us the synopsis and then take us away on the cast? Absolutely, Jimbo. By the way, Kyle Zander's on the show. <laughs> once again. <laughs> Surprise. He was the invisible guest. <laughs> I know. And now you hear me while well, I insult your voice. Okay, synopsis of this film. A scientist has discovered a way to make himself invisible. Although his side effects have left him permanently invisible and turning him into a murderous raving lunatic the cast includes claude rains from casablanca fame playing dr jack griffin or also the invisible man fun fact fun fact boris karloff plus colin clive were originally considered for the role but claude rains won out also starring william hannigan as dr arthur kemp fun fact chester norris was also considered for the role but william hannigan harnigan won out gloria stewart played flora Flora Cranley. Um, she wanted to play the old Rose in the Titanic film from 1997. Um, and Henry Trevors played Dr. Cranley. Una O'Connor as Ginny Hall, the hysterical pub lady. One of the best performances of the film. You know, when you need a woman to scream, you call Una O'Connor. Because yeah, she will scream. <laughs> Forrester Harvey as Herbert Hall. Dudley Diggs, my favorite name, as a chief detective. What an awesome great name. My great, excuse me, sir. What's your name? My name is Chief Detective. Oh, very formal. <laughs> very formal. And last but certainly not least, we have Edward S. Crone Clive as Constable Jaffers. Um, also, several notable character actors appear in minor roles, including Dwight Fryer as a reporter, Walter Brennan as a man whose bicycle is stolen by Griffin, and John Cardeline, acting at the time under the name Peter Richmond as a Cockney informer. And that goes for the casting. Right. So a couple things about the casting real quick is that um, he did mention that Boris Karloff and Colin Clive were both originally considered to play the lead. 
Um, Clive was tempted, but he preferred to take a planned vacation back to England. But Boris Karloff, he did accept until a dispute with James Well broke up their personal and professional relationship. Uh, Karloff had been Universal's original choice for the role of the Invisible Man, said to have turned it down because he would not be seen on screen until the end. In a reality, a quarrel with director James Well broke up their relationship, and the director decided he wanted someone with a more of an intellectual voice than Karloff. All of a sudden, his marked lisp had become an issue. Well selected Claude Rains after actually hearing Rains' screen test being played in another room. Until this film, Rains had primarily been a stage actor. Although he had appeared in one silent movie, Build Thy House, in 1920, this was his first sound film. So with a voice like that... And you and don't see his face till the end. I know. <laughs> so, uh, and let's... what a voice. That laughter is amazing. <laughs> well, a couple things about uh, Cla- uh, Claude Rains. Because um, most of this film, you do not see him. Uh, the, the way that they achieved the special effects for him was that... Um, when he took off the bandages, the you, you always see him in bandages and hats and overcoats. But yeah. the way they achieved that is that the the actual uh, Claude was actually dressed in complete and black velvet from uh, head to the head to toe in front of a black velvet background. Hmm. So when he had the bandage on there, it's actually his face. You know, they, they just undid yeah. it, which was fantastic for the 1933. We're talking the effects in this movie just they pulled it off. Effects, really, it's, they pulled it outstanding. off. Outstanding, but also. Um, Claude, Claude Rains was also chosen for his role because he spoke with such clarity and could be easily understood. This was important since his face was covered for almost the entire film. Um, and then we will come to find out that Claude Rains is uh, one of the most bloodthirsty villains of the old Universal horror films, with a total of four murders depicted directly on screen, the murders of 18 search party members off screen, and the derailment of a train which results in 100 deaths. In total, Dr. Ruva kills 122 people before he is killed. Biggest body count of the universe. Of the universe so far. <laughs> so, so far. So far. Talk about a heavy hitter. Yeah. <laughs> so um, let's go ahead and start uh, start talking about this movie. Um, we'll start off. You start off in somewhere cold in a pub. Yeah. So, uh, someone uh, in London, I presume, uh, seeing. And it's got to be wintertime because small yeah. European town in the Some winter. Small is England s- town. So the, the, this 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 pub owner and his wife run this place. Yeah. <laughs> and she she's funny. You'll come to find out. But you got people in there telling stories. Like the one guy's like, "Hey, so and so got stuck in the snow. You know how they got him out? We called the fire department and had him put the uh, hose in reverse and sucked him out." Or whatever, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, one of the things that I I always thought was interesting is that the guy playing the piano, you know, he turns around, <laughs> he bows, and then the guy puts another quarter in it, turns it up, and he starts around, playing. He's like, "Oh," and then he yeah. starts pretending to play. Which is again. interesting because when Claude Rains comes in, when the Invisible Man comes in, you know, he's in his bandage and he comes in, and he's like. I like a room. The, everybody just stops, and even the piano stops. So yeah. if it's played by even music, it's in, automatic. It's automatic. Why is it not? Why the Invisible it Man is just that terrifying. Right. So, so he comes, he's, he's, <laughs> and he's like, "I like a room." And she's like, "Ah, oh, we don't have any rooms ready. You know, we we don't yeah. have business till the summer." And he's like, "You can get one ready." And she's like, oh, "Okay." Yeah. So you know he goes upstairs and she shows him his room and you know he's standing there. She's like, "Can I take your coat and uh, hat?" You know, dry them all. He's like, no, no, just stay with me. And so you see, he's like, uh, could you bring me some food and beverage or whatever? So yeah. start a fire. So she starts the fire. You know, she's trying to make small talk with him. He don't really care. He's just like, Get out and here. so he closes the blind. You know, he closes the curtains and he pulls down that little blind shade. So she goes downstairs, right, to get his food, and she comes back up with the food and. So After he not, asked not to be disturbed, he's right? Like, well, make he's, sure I don't be disturbed. Yeah, but he he still wants his food though. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And then that's when he tells her, he's like, I don't want to be disturbed. Nobody comes in and out here unless I tell them to. Yep. And uh, he's like, thank you, you know, and uh, you still see him sitting at the window. And uh, so she leaves again. And uh, she goes downstairs, and her her help helpmate or whatever says, "I forgot the mustard." <laughs> you know, so she's like, "Oh, you forgot the mustard." So she, the lady, starts running back up there, right? And she opens the door, and her face just drops. You know, like yeah, sheer uh, terror. Yeah. yeah, and you look, and he's like, he, you see, he puts up a yeah, uh, picks up a napkin, like a napkin and covers napkin his face. Over his like, face. I told you, I was not to be disturbed. And she's like, "Oh, you're mustard, sir. We forgot you." He's like. Oh, thank you. And he's like, you can take my top coat. And he's like, but leave the hat. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. So she takes his top coat to dry. And she goes downstairs to her husband. And she says, Blimey, he's a, he doesn't have a mouth. He's just wrapped up in bandages like a terrible accident. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> you see him up there. And uh, obviously a couple of days have passed or whatever because she's like, he hasn't paid his rent. So we need to get yeah. his rent. And uh, so... This is where she sends her husband up there, up there to get his uh, rent. Remember, and oh, I love yeah. that she sends him up to the strong man, even though he clearly uh, so, isn't the strong man in this situation. Oh yeah. Well, what's really funny is like, okay, so beforehand is when you first get that iconic scream that she has is when she goes to bring him up food and then just comes into his room after being there for a couple of days and asking not to be disturbed. She just comes into the room and he just quickly closes the door and asks him. She's like. <gasps> <laughs> and then she, that's when she goes screaming down to her husband and she's like you have to take care of him he's been here for a while he's throwing uh, stuff he has a whole chemical set yeah. set up in the room and you have to get rid of him he hasn't paid in anything or anything so then he's like alright alright so he goes up there um and you can clearly tell she wears the pants in the relationship because she's like well maybe it's not so bad like Let's just leave him be. And then she's like, no, him, get him out of here. Gotta let him cool off. Then yeah. I can politely ask him to leave and try and be a strong, tough man. He, <laughs> yeah. like, he clearly is not the so, so he goes up there and uh, he knocks on the door or whatever and he comes in or whatever. And uh, he's like, hey, uh, you know, you owe us this rent. He's like, well, I'll get paid uh, tomorrow or whatever. You yeah. know, you'll have it all. He's like, oh, that's not, you need to get out of here now. And then that's when he starts going, you fool, you know, don't show him, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And uh, he basically uh, slams the door on him. Throws him down the yeah, stairs Yeah, throws first. him down the stairs. He throws him down the stairs and he slams the door shut. And, and his that- wife comes up, ah! <laughs> Once again. Uh, so they they, uh, they call the sheriff. Uh, yeah. And so they're the constable, I guess, if you will. <laughs> so he comes and... Uh, well, what's funny about this part is, you know, they come and say, hey, he's up here. He hasn't paid his rent. And they said, you need to kick him out. So yeah. he comes up. And, like, the whole village is following the cop up the stairs. Yeah. You know, I was like, guys. The whole village is involved in this. Like, you could tell nothing ever exciting happens there ever. This is the first <laughs> thing ever. Like, they hear, they, everyone is, like, they're terrified, but also thrilled. Everybody to the lion's pub. <laughs> <laughs> Something's happening once. <laughs> <laughs> Something finally happening. <laughs> So, well, what was, what was, so so he busts in the room, right? And and he's like, I told you I wanted to be left alone. Um, he says, Do you know what this is? You know, uh, you know, some of this you'll be visible or whatever. He's like, You want you want something to look at? He's like, I'll give you something to look at. <laughs> yeah, takes his this. nose and throws <laughs> it out. Have this and have takes, this too. And he, he takes off glasses. his glasses off, and that's where you get your first sense of invisibility because you see right there. And then you see him saying. He starts taking off his hat, his uh, bandages off his yep. head, and then, he has and then a you wig see it, that he also throws yeah. at him, and you see his, him just in a suit, and you're like, "Oh wow, this is really well done." Yeah, and uh, they're like, "He's he's <laughs> he's invisible." <laughs> yeah, you know, and he's like, he starts taking off his. So the, the, this is where they uh, 
he starts throwing the stuff at him, remember, and all that. So and then they all retreat. They all go down the back room. downstairs, and, and, and they're like, uh, <laughs> he's invisible. He's like, well, we better get up there and get him because once he takes off. He's like, he's like, we better get him before he gets before he gets all his clothes yeah. off. <laughs> he takes his pants off. He's like, we'll never find him. So they go up there. <laughs> this is where he, he he's invisible or whatever. Remember, he's like uh, just like throwing stuff. And oh they, yeah, uh, causing a ruckus. Right, yeah. throwing, uh, things, throwing around. things around. Yeah. Uh, so he's like out of my way or whatever. So he, you see him going down the stairs and. You see the one guy come, the guy that he had thrown down the stairs earlier. He kind of shoves him out of the way. Yeah, he knocks over the uh, grandfather clock by the lady. She's ah, oh! <laughs> yeah. and you yeah. see him go get cut through the pub, and he's like going through the crowd of people. Just you can yeah. see him dispersing. That's starts, like reeking. This is where he just starts town. going crazy. Yeah, steals uh, the guy's bike. And starts <laughs> yeah, he, he rides a bike. I'm blowing bike back, and then he throws the bike. <laughs> yeah, he's like, here, do what you want with your bike. <laughs> Throw, and then he knocks over a baby stroller. Yeah, takes the guy's hat. Hey, good day, grandfather. And throws it in the water. <laughs> throws a rock through a window. Hits a crowd with a broom. It's right, great. the broom. Uh, so now you just see him. He, he's finally went off the deep end. That's how you know he's evil. He tipped over a baby stroller. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he's like zero to ninety. Like for that, he's kind of a, like he's like not rude, but very um like uh forceful in his demeanor. Right. <laughs> so now, crazy, now, you're, you know. you're, now you go to a scene where. Um, I guess it would be his uh, lab partners, if you will. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. This is why you, where you come to find out what it was that was making him crazy because the, the drugs that he the, – the, the experiment that he did, made it made him visible, yes, but it was also starting to make him crazy. Yeah. yeah. So it was a, his assistant, Kemp, and I believe his, uh, it the was father, the the father yeah. of – I don't know her relationship to – the Invisible Man at all. Like, it doesn't say if they're married. I think there was a thing there because... They're um, definitely, like, romantically it's, involved. It's a romantic relationship, but I don't think they ever got married. That's why... I, I think if they got married, that would be something they would say. I think at least there were sweethearts. Definitely. Right, that's what yeah. I would say. So, so it's her dad and Kemp in there, which was... Kemp was actually his real partner. Uh, yeah. And they're like... Um, well, you know, it was a... Uh, we've come... We went back and checked it out because it was Mona Kane. And uh, which was a, a, a plant flower basically from India, yep. if I remember right. Yep. And what did it do? It turned. They injected it into the skin of a dog, they mentioned, and it turned the dog's skin dead like, white. Dead white, like that of a marble statue. And caused it to go raving mad. Yeah. Yeah. But in, in general, on plants, it actually takes away all the color out of everything else. So it's a, known for like it's important for its invisibility quality, but also its side effect is this madness. You go mad. But you yeah. can finally figure out what's going on. And they say, I hope he has been messing with this and then uh, I believe they said how could he know uh, if he was going mad if he was messing with it well is this also where they're going through there and they see the the notes that had been burned and they go through the shelves and there's he has taken all the instruments and tools and everything that he he just packed everything away and left and left without giving him any indication or inkling of where he was going Mm -hmm. so now um, you come back and I think this is where uh, the invisible man comes and sees uh, Kemp at his house. Yes. Oh yeah, and he's like uh, Kemp. And this is after listen, like you hear the radio, and they're like, um, "This is what I think is interesting." So the radio is like, "There's a whole town that's sick. They all believe that there's an invisible man attacking them, and so they all must be like really mass Ill. hysteria, kind just of thing. mass yeah. hysteria. This 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 epidemic sickness that's going on through this town. They so believe they've seen invisible. So they man. don't How believe. Ridiculous. Yeah, exactly." <laughs> Um, and that was also prefacing a conversation between the constable and I, I guess the main police headquarters. He's like, he's like, where are you calling from? He's like, the Lion's Head, which is you know is a known pub. And he's like, why don't you water it down next time? And he hangs up. So 
uh, obviously the, the the newscaster on the radio uh, shows more disbelief and like nobody believes what's happening in this town at all. Right. Uh, and then that's when he, you know he starts talking to him. So he goes to Kemp and he's like, Kemp. He's like, uh, he's like, he's like, oh, don't be alarmed. You know who it is. He's like, do you have like some bandages and a hat and some glasses? He's like, It'll make yeah. you feel better if you can see me. <laughs> you know. So he goes and gets the stuff and uh, and he's like, I wouldn't leave if I were you. <laughs> he's yeah. like, yeah. So he goes and gets the stuff and he puts it all in there and he's sitting there in the chair, you know, and they're talking. And this is where he comes up with this grand diabolical plan that hey, you're gonna be my partner. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna kill some famous people, some lesser known people, you know, politicians, whatever he said, you know. Yeah. He's like, I might even make you invisible, you know, just so I can take a break, you know. But yeah. He, so he has a person that's visible and invisible. He's like, but I need to go get my uh, notes at the Lion's Head. I left them there. He's like, it's very important I get these so I can turn myself back. And here's also which is interesting because um, all the other sort of monster movies are, you know, based off some mythical creature that already exists so then you already kind of know the stipulations of each one but when it came to the invisible man you had to come out right and say these are the things i need to avoid and my weaknesses because uh, you just can't assume those things so you know that's when he goes when i eat i have to wait an hour because my food will be visible uh he has to constantly keep his nails clean or else you can see the dirt in his fingernails right. can't uh, be on rain yes yeah he can't be on the rain because you can see the his silhouette uh same thing with smoke like heavily uh polluted areas um and then i believe it was also he has to constantly clean his feet uh because well, in his feet the dirt in his feet so can be let's seen. let's go ahead and talk about these uh these uh inconsistencies in because if you notice he smokes yeah. So if he was smoking, you would see the lung, him, his, his lungs, lungs yeah. filling with the smoke. But and I exhaling. don't know if I ever remember him seeing see him smoking outside of the bandages. It was just. What, did he have the bandages on when he? Did, I don't know. Didn't no, he smoke? No, 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 it was invisible because it, this was right before he asked him to bring the things. He was sitting down in the rocking chair and he lit a cigarette and then he took one puff of the cigarette. Yeah, yeah. And then he's like, "I understand. Like you can't." You're not able to talk to me, so go get. You have bandages and, and gargles I can use. So then, but I think it would have been a really cool me. special effect, if even if you didn't see him in his lungs when he blew it out, you seen his face. Oh yeah, I think that that would have been very telling of oh, things yeah. to come. You Which know they I mean? actually could have done with the special effects of the time. They right, could have done something like that, but they chose not to. No, but it's still well done. Yeah, it was oh, still yeah. incredibly well done. It so, definitely didn't take me out of the movie. No. So that, he's yeah. like, he's like, well, we got to go get these books. He's like, and uh, he's like, well, he's uh, it's, it's eight o'clock or whatever. He's like, oh, yeah. we got a half hour before dark. There's a guard at the yeah. door, and he's like, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm so, not looking for excuses. Look for solutions. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, he's like, and do you got a blanket? He's like, because it's cold when you have to run around naked, <laughs> you know. So uh, you see him. He's like, bring that bag because you need something to put the books. And he's like, I'll sneak in, throw them out through the window. So you see him. He's like, park a mile away. And you just see him, you know, in the car, he's like, you got that blanket. So he's wrapped, next thing you see, he's wrapped yeah. up in the blanket and the guy's <laughs> driving. He's like, all right, stop here, and uh, Kemp. And so he's like, I'll go in. And what's really crazy is they're having a meeting in the... About the, him. About him. Yeah. Uh, it's like the head police guy. Uh, I don't even know if it's the head police guy, is it? It's, Excuse it's, me. It is. That's another... His name is Chief Detective. <laughs> So they have chief detective, right? So, <laughs> well, are you chief sure that's him, or is no. he the one that actually? Does um, it? Oh, actually, you're right. Yeah, yeah. He, you know he, he comes later. So, like, so this constable. might be like the, the, the There's still a, another cop in disbelief in the scene, right? And um, he's got like the whole people there that scene. Yeah, the, the the people that got their bikes stolen or thrown and all yep. that. But you just see the invisible man just go in the front door. <laughs> you know, he doesn't yeah. bother anybody right now, and he just goes up there. He's like Kemp, and he throws the books out the window. Well, if you remember, there was um, 
well, the door he went through, there's some kids playing by it. Right. And then they were like, and then the, that lady comes out and she's she, like, get out of here. I knew you'd be messing with the door. And they're we like, didn't we touch didn't mess it. We right. didn't touch it. And he's like, ah, quit lying. And yeah. then like, you know, she Runs goes back in. So, so, so they got him and he goes upstairs. He opens the window. He throws his books down that he needed. And, uh, which I be- can't believe they didn't confiscate that stuff right away. You know oh, I mean? know, right? But, and, and then he just throws the ink in his yeah, face. And she's like, he's here! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and then you see him just, like, cleaning off the bar. And just- well, yeah, after, after he throws the ink in the face and clears off the bar, she jumps on the table like there's a mouse on the ground. And she's holding up her dress. And, and she's just like, and then he throws that one jug and it's right in the head. You know, yeah, the glass yeah. right in the head. I was like, oh... You know, and she's like, ah, you know, and they're, and they're all just scattering. Um, oh, man. But he actually does. This is where he picks up the bench and he throws it on top of the detective and hits him like square in the Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, uh, he bludgeons him with yeah, a, he's a dead. chair. Yeah, yeah uh-huh. super dead. So, you know, and then and this is where you see all the cops outside, or you know, and. I believe there's a news article right after that scene. It's like cops land in in little town. Yeah, something like that. And this is where you know he's considered a dangerous. Um, but I also think is this where all the cops where he's like honking the one guy's cop's nose and like he's pulling the one cop by the feet. That's after they go to the house for the first time. They oh, okay. Kim's house. That's to go there. Yeah. Yep. Uh, after Kip calls the cops. Right. So now he has his books, and uh, this is where he goes back to Kim's house, right? And, yeah. And uh, he's like, do you have any pajamas? <laughs> he puts the pajamas, yeah. which is a great scene because you just see yeah. it. Uh, and he's getting in, getting in his bed or whatever. He's like, tomorrow we start. And he's like, he calls. He's like, hey, he's like, I got the invisible man here. here. And he's like, well, there's nothing I can do with five men on duty. Yeah. You, know, you have to wait till tomorrow morning or whatever. Just keep him occupied. Don't let him out of your sight. Yeah. And I was like, he's invisible. <laughs> um, worth noting, though, the first call he makes was to um, Dr. Cranley. Uh, I thought was, that was the second call. No, the first call he makes was Dr. Cranley, and the second call he makes is the police. Okay. Yeah, That's so right. the first yeah. call, so he's like, you know, he's like, you got to keep him there. He's like, yeah. I got to get time to get everything together. And I also believe that's when the daughter comes down and it's like, yeah, Flora overhears yeah. him and then says like, "What's going on, Dad?" And then like, he's like, "Well, it, it's it's Kemp, it's Kemp." Uh, no, it's it's a uh, well, yeah. yeah. He's like, she's like, "It was Kemp." Yeah, he's like, he "It's Doctor Jack's, you know, the Invisible Man," and he's over at the, the house, whatever. She's like, "I must go to him." Yeah, and yeah. He's like, no, no. And so <laughs> he's going anyway, you know, or she's going to go the next day anyway. So, um, but I think after this this point, is this where they? Um, you see uh, where they get on the radio and they say, hey, there's an invisible man. And everybody starts locking their doors and everything. Yeah, everyone freaks yep. out. Mass hysteria begins now for Closing real. windows, yeah. locking doors. The and that there's, a, there's an me. award if you want to help us catch him. There's a thousand uh, pounds, Yeah, I think. there's an award. Um, you, and, and what really got me here is that you even see like an orphanage with a bunch of kids, you know, huddled yeah. around that lady. You know, they, they just look scared. Um, you see people locking the doors, chaining the doors, grabbing brooms, grabbing whatever they can. You know, yeah, it, it, it's also like this like small little montage, of just like people and co- like volunteers and and cops, just like going through in lines, just swinging wildly wherever they can, <laughs> yeah, and maybe yeah. get a lucky hit and, on this. And you guy. know, this is I think this is also where you get the phone calls coming. It's like, well, why don't you just go out on a foggy day? You would be able to see a silhouette, or yeah. why don't you tar the entire road? You know, it's yeah, sticky yeah. feet. All the good suggestions, all the bad suggestions. No, I was like, this, this is great. This is ridiculous. So yeah. uh, now it comes where he's like, you called the cops. You know, they're back at the house. And he's like, no, no, I swear I didn't. But she actually did, you know. Yep. And uh, But it, the, it's actually, he's like, no, look, it's 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 your, uh, what's her name? Uh, oh, no, uh, Flora and Dr. Clint yeah. come there yeah, first. They said, yeah, they're here. And he's like, well, I will speak to her privately, mm-hmm. you know, so... Um, he goes up to the room. She goes up to the room. And he's sitting there in all his bandages, and this is where they have the heart to heart. 
And this is where you really see the maniac coming out at him because he's like, yeah, I, I made this solution. He's like, and I will sell it to the highest bidder in the world and we will be rich and they yeah. will come to me and they will grovel at my feet. And I was like, okay, bro. <laughs> right. just, but also clearly he was somewhat unhinged before. He right, but I mean, this, yeah. this is, you just start well, to you, see, the, like only, from the start he was bad and now he's a lot worse. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. You do get a semblance of kind of what he was like through her. And I feel like that's the only sort of thing she brings to the table through the movie is when she does talk about him and her in the past before him becoming invisible he seemed a lot more uh compassionate and sort of like uh uh, like more calm i guess you could say uh because i believe that at one scene she has a line where she's like oh i miss when you know we just would have relaxing evenings or something like that right so that that showed that he wasn't always this way right yeah that the um it was uh what was the, the the plant called Monocane. Uh, monocane was what was affecting him to be so Because she was like, hey, crazy. You, you need to come back because we, we don't know the effects that this plant's going to have. We can work yeah. through it together and all that. And he's like, no. And this is where he sees the uh, police starting to come in, too. He looks out the yeah. window and he's like, ah, he's like, Kemp, you I liar. Betrayed. Yeah, he's like, I lived him alone and this is what happens. And then, he, you know, he takes it. I like when he goes down to Kemp and he's like, Kemp, you've been my most trusted assistant. And, and he's like, and, and, he's like, and, thanks and, for opening the window for me. Remember? Yeah, 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 exactly. And he goes, this time tomorrow. I'm going to kill you. After, At 10 like o'clock, the, I am going to kill you. I like the build-up to it, though. He's like, you're my trusted assistant. You've always been a good friend. I'm going to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to kill you tomorrow at 10 o'clock. At 10 o'clock. Yeah. He's so, like, no matter what cave you hide in, I will find he's you. Like, I, will I will kill you. Yep. And, and I was like, like man, this guy, is, this guy is just went over the top. Hmm. So uh, he escapes out of the clutches of the cops here. And I think this is the part where he tweaks the nose of the one cop. Yep. He and grabs the one guy by the feet. Everybody. He and then and he, he spins him around and throws him. Yeah. And and forgive if everybody doesn't understand the reference, but definitely like Mario 64 style where he <laughs> yeah. just spins him around and yeah. throws and him. And what about when like, – uh, the and then he's this is where he's singing, uh, singing the song, skipping down, chasing that lady, screaming. He's just in his <laughs> yeah. pants. He's like, here we go around the Mulberry Boat yeah. or whatever it was that he was singing. I definitely feel like this Universal Monster out of all the other monsters has a bit of a self-awareness of its humor too. Oh, like yeah. all the um, action is so over well, the they top said they said that. <laughs> um, one of the notes I was reading about that said that this is like uh, regarded as the the most humor in a monster movie. Oh yeah. But um, they said there's a couple of other scenes and like the Bride of Frankenstein and stuff of Frankenstein that there's some funny stuff. But this is the one where it's actually just over the top hilarious. Plus, this you, is the first movie where the sequels do have an excuse to go a little more comedic. Right. But also, this one like has like biggest balance of like they have to have a little bit of these lighter moments to make sense for the extremely dark moments, like him when he derails the train. Like, right. So, yeah. which is coming up. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so, he, so he, he escapes again, and uh, so Kemp and him they're like, "Hey, we got a plan. We're gonna we're gonna set up to get him." Yeah. And he's like, "But I can't tell you now." He's like. He might be in this very room, hiding in the corner. So they bring in the net, you know, and they're going oh, yeah. all the way across the room just to make sure he's on it. So good. So then they so so then they walk back, and so they lock the window, lock the doors. And it's like, all right, he's not in here. And they said, here's what we're going to do. You know, they're all sitting at his feet or whatever. So um, it's time for story time. Right. Their knees. <laughs> so this sets up. He's like, hey, um, we know he's coming back for camp. He said he's going to kill him. He usually keeps his word. So we're going to put dusting on top of the the wall outside so we can see if he tries to climb over or it'll knock dust off. Yeah. Um, he's like, and then we're going to shoot it with that tar gun or whatever. Yeah. Remember to, mm. uh, he's like, and then we'll catch it and, you know, we'll deal with it. So you set up the big night, you know, Kim, Kim's all worried. He's like, well, just bring me back down to the headquarters or whatever, you know. So Yeah. So their idea was to disguise him as a cop, 
Right. Like, well, well, pretend to escort him to a location, disguise him as a cop, and, and then, then take, dr- him back take him back so he can leave in his so car. So then he can leave. So, you know, you see him, you know, they, they bring, they go to his house, they pick him up, they drive him to the uh, police station, you know, as he's in there, and he's changing back. And I think the police uniform to take yep, him back. That's when he But uh, you see the one guy's like, uh, there's a cat on top of the thing, and he oh, knocks the yeah. off. He's like, he's here! And he shoots the he cat shoots with the, the tar. Cat with and the I was like, Poor cat. And uh, so then they, they all start going crazy. You know, they're trying to find him and whatever. Well, this time, Kemp's already back to his house and uh, gets in his car and he starts taking off. And, you know, he's driving all. So he's like, oh, very clever, Kemp. And he's like, oh, man. <laughs> oh. He's like, he's like, he's like, are you, he's like, do you think I'm stupid? He's like, I was riding on the sideboard or the running board of the cop car or whatever the entire time. <laughs> yeah, he, you guys he goes know. like down the list of like what he did to keep up. And yeah. like how he was with him the whole. He's like, time. I knew your whole plan. He's like, what's gonna work, you know? <laughs> so he's like, he's like, ah, Kemp, you know. And this is where he. And then he goes uh, into detail about what's gonna happen to Kemp. Right. Well, this is where he gets out of the car, remember? Yeah. And uh, yeah. he ties his feet and legs up, and he puts it back in the thing and the, in the driver's seat. And he's like, you know, Kemp. He's like, here in a few minutes, he's like, I'm gonna release this brake. He's like, you're going to go down this at a very slow angle. He's like, and then you're going to fly over the end of this cliff, and it'll be over for you. And then you're going to somersault, he's and like, then you'll he's break he, this, and gonna, then and then finally you'll break your neck. You know? And he's like, he's like please. Whoa. He's like, I'll do anything. And this is where you're like, I thought. And he's like, well. I thought he was going to let him off. You know, like, yeah. well, you could do this for me. He's like, that's what he tells him all that. He's like, good day, Kim. <laughs> and he releases it. And you just see, see him. You just see the fear in his eyes. And then it just car goes over and, and it just blows just up. Explodes. And you're like, wow. Immediate fire on the first hit. And an explosion in the end, of course. Right. <laughs> this is a fantastic movie. I've and then, of course, like, about it. He, he has his own like, ah, and then just, yeah. Yeah. So now he's, he's, he's wore down and he goes to this barn, right? Yeah. He, he's, he's tired. Uh, and you well, see, well, first we have the whole after he kills him, he has the whole montage of like robbing the bank and that was something. Oh and then, yeah, yeah, and yeah, then yeah, derailing yeah. the train. Yeah, so so he uh, <laughs> money, money, money. Yeah, so you see him like uh, go to the bank and you just see this drawer left out. He goes out to the <laughs> outside and he just starts money, money, Free money, these, everybody. Yeah, and he throws it and the cops see it. They can't stop. The him. cops try to get him, but he just throws money all over the cop. And, uh, all the and this is also where money. they form the search party and he just strangles the one guy and throws him off the cliff. Yeah, and yeah, then, then he another guy. And then another guy he's like, Joined him, does him all too. Uh, but I guess, according to the notes, that he killed all eighteen of those searchers. Well, then, so I mean, that only shows the two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so the search team went missing, right? So yeah. then, then, then you see the train coming, and you see the uh, the guy at the station or whatever. He hits him over the head with something. Oh, then he, yeah. Then yeah. he just flips that switch, and the train goes off the side of a cliff. You know, yep. and all the people he kills all hundred people on board, and he's laughing at the the whole time. I think this is where he ends up going to the barn. Because yep. they're, 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 this is where they call after, for everybody to come search. Yeah. The night of the day of mischief, he's right. finally tired. And then you see him go to the barn, and you're like, oh. mischiefs and understanding. You know, and he, the, well, what's funny about this is he goes and he lays in the hay, right? He's like, ah, and then you hear a chew. <laughs> he's like, really? Yeah. I don't. Know. Then you see the like the little the hay, hay kind of go up and down. Yeah. yeah, it's great. And he covers himself up or whatever. So, um, the, then you have the barn owner. He comes in and uh, he's hanging up like the pitch. I thought he was going to throw the pitchfork. I thought that was going to be the end. That like I was like. Is he really going to go out with a pitchfork? And then I like check the time on the movie. I'm like, there's like 10 minutes. He's not going to go out with a pitchfork. Although that'd be interesting to like, after all this, thinking he's invincible, just some guy, oh, time to, you know, pitchfork this hay and. (laughs) So so he hangs up his tools and and he he hears breathing or snoring. Yeah. And so um, you flash over to the um, police station. Police station. Yeah. And they're in there talking about what we're going to do because uh, it's starting to snow. And they're like, well, this is our chance to catch him. You know, this fresh prince in the snow, he'll leave footprints. 
And the guy comes in, he's like, excuse me, sir, there's breathing in my barn. <laughs> in my barn, yeah. <laughs> he's like, well, you know, this could be our chance to get him. We, even though it's far-fetched, it could be him. We need to take every precaution. And uh, so what was interesting about this is they actually, like, block all the entrances, you know, except the one entrance. Yep. And they put the hay under there, and then they started on fire. And, and he's I, like, there's a $1,000 pound reward for you waiting back at the office if this is him. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then they were very careful this time because they knew it was snowing, and they also knew that uh, the, the fresh snow would help track his footprints. Right. And they're like, and they do like, not just go yeah, wandering we're all around. We're yeah. walk in a straight line and stay on that line, so then any footprints he makes, like the snow is just for him. Right. So yeah. then we can see his footprints. So they set the barn on fire, and it goes up in a blaze. And the next thing you see, you see it open up, and... Him uh, walking out, you just see the footprints. Footprints, really. That's what I said. What I didn't understand. <laughs> he was like naked. Why does he have shoe prints when they should have yeah. footprints? But that's just a little connudier. And, and I thought, <laughs> I thought the most interesting part of this was the guy that shoots him is actually her father, right? Is it? Is he the uh, one that shoots him? I believe it's. I don't think it's a regular police of officer. No, because he's in like the suit. I think. Or the, uh, it's either that or it's the detective. It's either, it's, either it's, either, the, it's either Mr. Chief Detective or it's uh, Dr. Cranley. And I think it's Chief Detective that just shoots him. I, I don't know if it was Dr. Cranley or not. Well, they shoot him twice. Yeah. And yeah. you just see his feet stop and then you just see the, like, making a snow angel yeah. his body. Yeah. And they come over and lean over him. So the next scene you, thing you see is you see him, uh, the, doc, the doctor's like, well, you know, he's not going to make it. We tried. And I'm like, number one, how are you operating on this guy if you can't see him? Yeah. Number two... He's like, well, you know, as as the life leaves him from here, he'll become visible again. And I'm like, how do you know that? I don't. How, <laughs> they don't even know what's causing. How how can you say that if he if he dies, his body is coming back? Which was, I was like, this is really weird because that's nowhere. It suddenly became super inconsistent in yeah. its own continuity. Also, it's hard to notice because it's a black and white film, of course. But also, his his body should come back, kind of like the dead white dog of just like all of his color drained from his body. So he should be like a pure white, with like black hair or something like that. That's yeah. kind of yeah. what he was, though. Yeah, a little bit, but it's also a black like, and white that, film. That would be the thing that actually like they should say that about right. him dying and coming back instead of like no, he's invisible again because of this. Like no, he's just losing all the color in his body and it's invisible. All right. So so he's I guess she's like Jenny's there and she's or is her name Jenny or Fiona or it is Flora. Uh, Flora. Yeah, Flora. And she's like, uh, can I see him? She's like, yeah. He's asking for you. So he goes yeah. and he's like, you know, he's like Jenny. I'm sorry. I was always going to come back to you. It's Flora. Like, it's Flora. Flora. Yeah. Jenny's sister. Like, Man, well played. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was always going to come back to you. I didn't know how I was going to get here. He's like, but I always wanted to come back to you, and I'm sorry. Yeah. And she's like, oh. And then the next thing you see, you see, you take that last breath, and then all of a sudden, you just start seeing very well done, though, of him coming back to his human form. Oh, yeah. Starts like a skeleton, and then bringing and in more and more. You see all the other features. Yeah, and, and then, then finally, you in. see Claude Rains there at the end, which is the first time you've seen him the whole movie yep. outside of his makeup, the only time he makes an appearance, and it ends. Yep. Yeah, fantastic done. As every typical monster Absolutely movie ends it. is once the monster is thwarted, uh, the movie ends. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a little bit about this movie. During the scenes with Uno O'Connor, the hysterical pub landlady, James Wells struggled to control his own laughter as he adored, adored her. <laughs> She's just over the top, man. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, but Gloria Stewart, she didn't enjoy working with uh, Claude Rains during filming when they had scenes together. She claimed her leading man kept backing her into the scenery and hampering her chances to perform. James Well had to keep everything on even kill by reminding Claude Rains that he had to share his scenes with his leading lady. Oh man. Oh, so you like, have, the spotlight is mine. Right. 19 <laughs> 30 sexism oh where he's going <laughs> <laughs> right and then um, where's it at um, 
the like I talked about the piano. Uh, they stopped playing piano that stopped mid scene just because yeah. it's like and and w- and one of the last things right here real quick is um, I thought this was really interesting on the DVD uh, short commentary. Claude Rains's daughter tells of a time when her father brought her to see a re-release of this movie in the, the in a theater in Pennsylvania years after it was made. It was bitterly cold, and his face was completely covered by a hat and scarf. <laughs> when he spoke to ask for the tickets, the attendant immediately recognized his voice and wanted to let them in for free. Reigns was quite upset at this and demanded that he pay full price. Oh, I was like, man. <laughs> uh, then also the uh, other one was the uh, first time Claude Reigns' daughter ever saw her father in the movie was in 1950 when he took her to a showing of The Invisible Man in the Pennsylvania Theater. While the film was playing... Reigns was telling his daughter all about how it was made. The other theater patrons stopped watching the movie and instead listened to Reigns uh, tell the story. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can you, can you imagine? Uh, yeah, I hope well, here's what happened. Yeah. You know, Free I, commentary. I was actually doing it. Hey, com- DVD commentary before DVD commentary So, came out. Terrence, let's hear your thoughts on The Invisible Man. Great movie. Uh, it had it all. Like you, know, like you were saying, it is one of the more comedic ones, but I think that made it more of a complete movie, I guess. Um yeah, it was uh, the, the special effects, especially for the time, were amazing. Fantastic, um, absolutely incredible. The only nitpick I have is you know the continuity issues. But as we've talked on all these movies, they all have continuity issues at some point or another. So you know it's it, it, it's it's a good month. You know, once again, another good Universal Monsters movie. So where are you putting this in your list? You know, I always ask you where you put the. Monsters. Oh yeah, so my list more or less stays the same with this one tying with the Mummy, and I don't know why I like the Mummy so much. Because <laughs> uh, I, I, I. So this uh, is tied for first. It is, yeah. Uh, I like I. I'll probably have to think on it more, um, but at the moment I can't decide. I think the Invisible Man might beat it out just because I do like the comedy and, and was this comedy. And, and was this your first viewing of this too? This is my first viewing. Kyle, yeah. was this your? This is my first viewing of the Invisible Man. All right, Kyle. So, were you? What's your thoughts on this, this movie? And then film, tell us where you place it. Uh, this film is fantastic. Of all the Universal Monster films, like this one is just completely appreciable on its own right as just a good film, not just because it has a has a history to it, but it's just it's funny. It's got a very morbid humor and uh, the. If special effects hold up remarkably well, um, I could, or lack thereof to a degree, because uh, you know it's not like you have to make a Wolfman, you don't have to make a creature of Black Lagoon. Instead, you just have to make a person not viewable, yeah. which is a, a lot more of an easy task, I imagine, for some degree, but also more challenging to do. Probably hard at editing. Hard editing. There was but two also- scenes where it was really noticeable, but everything else was really smooth. Uh, there was one scene where he was sitting on a chair. That, that, that the contrast was really harsh, so it, you can tell there's a lot of editing and special effects going on there. Then there was another scene where he was, uh, I believe, is you know the pants scene when he's coming <laughs> down the way. Um, other than that, no, everything w- went really smooth, as like special yeah. effects wise. And I really feel like they didn't like they didn't hold back any punches. Like they they, they really thought about like okay, if a um, lunatic was actually invisible what's all this kind of hijinks he would get into what kind of murderous rampage could he actually accomplish and they don't hold back on that at all like he does have a bank he does you know uh, murder uh, a, a scientist and derails a train and all the other crazy crazy stuff and it is absolutely thrilling so for me it goes right on the top of my list of my favorite universal monster movies so far through the list and does so, that go that was to go that then frankenstein that then frankenstein and no 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 he doesn't really care <laughs> for back of the picture of black lagoon i hate list <laughs> so what's, oh, yeah. what's, what's your list here uh, uh my list um 
This this one for me, it's got to be the best one so far. Um, this is the first time I have seen it in a long time. I mean, I've seen um, different uh, versions of this. I guess Topper comes to mind. Um, yeah. Uh, Topper Returns. Uh, uh, Hollow Man. I've seen all these. Well, uh, the yeah, yeah, I've seen all. But, Kevin but, Bacon, but, to, but to me, all these, <laughs> all the Invisible Man's you've seen um, after this kind of make him into. A funny haha guy without the murderous intent. Well, does that uh, make sense? Hollow like, Man. Well, that, but that but that wasn't really like, one I considered. Okay, uh, as far uh, I'm talking about, that's the the closest I got to like something like this. And but even um, he just went I straight did, murderous. He didn't he did, go straight. Yeah. Um, uh, he was just he was just creepy and skeevy right. at first, and then he then he turned into a murderer. And right. I so know, all right. this I definitely know, like, this is probably this <laughs> is probably my I love favorite this movie. Yeah, this is probably my favorite. Uh, then it's probably the Wolfman just because of the story it told. Yeah. Um, with the father son and uh, Lon Chaney's performance, the junior's performance, it's fantastic. Um, then it's probably the creature from the Black Lagoon just because I always thought he was the creepiest. Yeah. Looking oh, yeah, and the effects. And then probably um, Dracula and then Frankenstein and the Mummy. At the, the Mummy's probably at the bottom of my list just just because. I understand. Yeah. I think another fact, too, is just like, although it is firmly placed in the Universal Monster timeline and lineage there, to a certain extent, he almost like fits more into something like the er- like earlier slasher films, even, of uh, how he has a morbid sense of humor and the way he, in the creative way, he dispatches his victims and actually getting away with it in most of the yeah. cases. Yeah, right. I, I would kind of put this in the thing with like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, is what I, what came to mind when I was watching yeah. it. Some, yeah, some, yeah, around there where, yeah, and like he's not. But I don't think that was Universal. Though. So that there's, yeah. you're going to come into that problem oh, too. Yeah, so. good point there. But like I said, like he he's a uh, he's the most subversive of the group. He's the most he's the, big, the biggest outcast of the group. Where yeah, you know, Dracula's his own thing, Wolfman's his own thing. But his Invisible Man is uh, firmly outside of even that group. Yeah, of right. uh, how he and just acts. think if they wouldn't have caught him, he could have turned a whole bunch of people invisible. Oh, yeah. You know, to help well, invisible here, army. Here's what I think is interesting is uh, you know especially when we're talking about. Invisible Man versus the other Universal monsters is besides the fact of him being invisible, there's no other supernaturals, you know, kind of uh, thing going on. Like he doesn't have super strength or anything. He's just a strong dude, just yeah. naturally. No, he's, but, like, he's a he's a smart guy. Yeah, he's he's, he's a smart guy. So it's like, uh, uh, but there's no other sort of trait that gives him an edge except the fact that he's invisible and that's it. And even then, he has to be careful because he does go down this laundry list of things he has to watch out for. That gives him away. So I, I thought that was uh, uh, interesting and really sets him aside from all the other ones because all the other ones are more or less actual supernatural beings and have sort of an edge via like they can't be hurt except by certain things or uh, they have super strength like the, the creature of the Black Lagoon, but he's just invisible. Right. And that's it. Yeah. And he's just a dude. He's just a dude who's mad. That's that's the thing. He's just He's a raving lunatic. Mad man. <laughs> so definitely check this one out. Uh, this is definitely on top of the list. Um, for our next two films, uh, one of them is The Bride of Frankenstein. And I believe the second one is going to be The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Is that Are right? Are we doing that one? Uh, what was the other one? I thought it was Hunchback. Uh, I thought we were going to do Phantom of the Opera, the Universal Monster version. Well, we still got another week after this. So. That's true. <laughs> um, we, we will be wrapping up with Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein just to yeah. bring the whole comedic thing yeah. down. And, and these are where some of the, the monsters uh, portrayed their characters one last time in the film to wrap yeah. it up. So, uh, With that being said, I think this episode's coming to a close. And that's a wrap. And, and cut. cut.